0: Couch Chats is a series of real, open, honest and raw chats with some inspiring friends and women I've had the privilege to meet along my entrepreneurial journey. As well as some solo episodes from me, I hope this podcast can inspire you to always dream big and make it your reality. I am your host, Jess Williamson, a serial entrepreneur and business coach. And today I have a pretty exciting episode. It's pretty much going to be a recap of the entire last five and a half years, maybe even six years of my life, because I have just sold my very first business, Eti Swimwear. It's been a wild ride. And I feel like the past five years is equivalent to someone's 20 years. It has been such a roller coaster ride, so many ups and so many downs and so many lessons learned along the way. So I did put up a poll on my Instagram and got you all to send in some questions. So I will be answering those questions very soon, but I wanted to take you back to where it all began in June 2015 when I had the idea for the business and I thought I would just take you through a bit of my journey and share with you some of the lessons that I learned along the way. I had the idea to start a swimwear brand in June 2015. And at the time I was 22, I was working full-time in digital marketing and I had no idea how to manufacture a product or no idea how to run a business. But what I did have was I had passion and I had an idea and I had the drive to make something happen. At the time, I had so many different ideas. I was thinking maybe I'll do a clothing brand. Maybe I'll do homewares because fun fact, I used to have a homewares Instagram account called Oz Designs and I used to just share all Aussie made homewares. And I had over 5,000 followers at the time. And then I just shut down that account. So I used to just make Instagram accounts for fun. So this is kind of where my journey began. And I thought, look, I do like fashion. I do like homewares. But at the time there was just khaki, black, plain sort of bikinis. And if you have ever seen the brand A.T. Swimwear, you will know that it is furthest from simple, plain designs. It has frills. It's got pastels. It's got pinks. And I just couldn't find that in the market. Plus, I love travel. I love Instagram and I love fashion. And so I wanted to create something in that industry. So I had the idea in June 2015 and by February, so just seven months later, I had launched online globally. I had already built up an audience of over 5,000 followers on Instagram and I had a database of over hundred people that were on the wait list. So this is a pretty short time to go from just an idea to freaking manufacturing a whole product that I had no idea how to do. I built the whole website myself. I built up a whole following online, built up the database, all in just seven months. And now that I look back, it almost takes six to 12 months to create a collection now that I know how to do it. I'm always someone who does things very, very fast. And once I have an idea, I get onto it straight away. What I wanted to point out there was that, From day one, I had the mindset that this brand is going to be global. I never thought, let me just start small. Let me just tinker around and, you know, launch to the Perth Australian market. And when I get bigger, when I get more credibility, then I'll go global. These thoughts never even crossed my mind and I didn't even realize at at the time, but mindset, and I know you've all heard me talk about mindset, but mindset was the number one reason why I had the success that I did so early on. And so people call it fluff. They say, Jess, I don't need the mindset, but trust me, mindset is so, so important. So I was 22 I could have said, you know, who am I? I'm 22. I'm a female. I have zero experience in fashion. I have zero experience in manufacturing, zero experience in business. All I did have was a marketing degree and some experience working in marketing, and I knew what fashions I liked. So I was highly unqualified to make a global swimwear brand. I was a pure introvert, so I often like to fly under the radar and here I was creating a global fashion brand. There were so many reasons why I could have said, nah, let's just let that idea slide. Let's not give it a go. I had no time. I was working a full-time job plus a two-hour commute back and forth to the job as well. I had no money because I was on like the minimum, minimum wage you could have been on in any sort of job possible. You know, a lot of my friends were teachers and they were earning double what I was earning. So I really had a lot of reasons that I or excuses that I could have, I guess, used, but I didn't. And so that is the first lesson here is regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your experience, regardless of where you're at currently, You can learn, you can find time, you can make time. I was on my phone pretty much 24 seven. I was a bit sneaky at work and I used to go to a lot of toilet breaks (laughs) and I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but I still got my job done. I was super efficient. And then I had some extra time where I could quickly go to the loo and check Instagram or, you know, while I was walking from my car to the office, I would be on there replying to manufacturers. And I basically made it up. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a mentor. I mean, coaches weren't really a thing five years ago as much as they are now. So I made it up. (laughs) I made it up from the beginning. And so I launched the business in February 2016. And one of the first things that I did was I made sure that I knew what the brand was about. And I was super specific on making sure that I had professional imagery that made it look like a global brand. If you want to be a global brand or if you want to be, you know, a huge brand and competing with the best of the best, you can't go out there with iPhone shots of you and your friends at the beach No, I flew all the way to Melbourne because there was a photographer in Melbourne that was really, really amazing, Kate Myers. And at the time, her style and aesthetic was exactly what I wanted my brand to be about and to portray. So I flew all the way to Melbourne and hired a professional model and did our first ever photo shoot over there. On the day, it was actually 100% chance of rain all day and we're doing it in Melbourne as well. So it's not even very warm as it is, but this was 100% chance of rain. And I just knew in my gut, I was like, you know what? I could postpone this. I could cancel this, but we're going to do it anyway. And guess what? The rain stopped. It was still cloudy, but the rain stopped for the few hours that we were shooting. And then as soon as we got back in the car and packed up and we're ready to head back, to Melbourne, the rain started again. So it was like a huge sign and that still today is one of my very favorite ever photo shoot. So then what I did, I launched online, we had our Instagram ready, we had our database ready and I launched globally. We had orders on day one because I had spent the last six months building up that audience. And that is really something that was important from day one But I still stick by the fact that a professional shoot and acting as if you are already on the world stage, you're already global, uh, portraying your brand in that way is the best way to gain success. So after one week of launching, I received an email and the email said, you are invited to the Australian showcase at New York Fashion Week. We want to have your brand on the runway alongside major, major Australian brands that I've looked up to for a long, long time. At first, I was like, this has got to be a scam. There is no way someone is emailing me one week into my business saying, hey, come and do New York Fashion Week. I was like, who the heck is this emailing me? So I spoke to some of the brands that were listed on their page and I spoke to the company and it turns out it was legit. So guess what? I said yes. And then I figured out how the hell I'm going to do that later. Now, just to give you some context, going to New York Fashion Week, there are costs involved. You have to fly there. You have to do your marketing around it. You know, there's models, all of the things involved, right? There's also time. I am working full time and I didn't have annual leave at that point to use. Thirdly, I had just launched I had not sold many pieces of bathers yet. So I had to create a whole new collection in less than six months, which is a very, very short time for anyone that manufactures a whole new collection from scratch that I hadn't even started thinking about. I had to pay for that collection to be made before we went to New York. And then I had to go to New York, obviously, and do it all. So again, there are so many reasons why I could have said no. I could have said, who the hell am I to be on this global stage and be alongside these other amazing Australian brands? Who am I to be on this runway on the global stage? Who am I to do this, you know? But none of these thoughts even crossed my mind. And I said, yes, rather than looking at my resources and saying, oh, look, I don't really have the time or the money or, you know, I'm not confident to go. I knew that this was a huge opportunity And I said, yes. And I was like, I'm going to figure out how the hell I'm going to make this happen later. And so if you can take this as a lesson, what opportunities are currently coming your way that you're actually saying no to? Because I have a lot of people come to me and ask me, how did you get all these opportunities? I went out there and got them. The reason why I was invited to New York Fashion Week alongside top brands was because I did a professional photo shoot that made my brand perceived as a professional brand, right? Even though it was, that was because of my actions. Nothing ever comes to you out of thin air. Even if it seems like luck, it's always a result of your actions. But it was up to me to say yes. It was up to me to design the whole collection. It was up to me to figure out how the hell I'm going to get there. And what I did from that opportunity was I went out there and hired my own press freelancer because I didn't have money, much money. So I chose a freelancer in Perth to get me some extra press around this opportunity because it's no good just saying yes to these opportunities, going, being on the runway and, you know, having celebrities in the audience watch you cool, but so what? It was up to me to then leverage that opportunity and get some press coverage back here in Australia, get some press coverage in Perth. And because of that, I was on Channel 9 News. The news team came to my house and interviewed me about the experience. I was in Forbes. I was in the West Australian newspaper. I got so much press around that because I went out there and did it right? So again, it's not about opportunities coming to me. It's about me making the opportunities or leveraging the opportunities that you have. That was literally week one of business. It's been a whirlwind. And so from there, the brand did continue to scale and grow. And I got to work with top, top influencers all over the world, including Matilda Jerf, who now has over millions of followers, Jamie N. Kidd. You know, I co-designed collections with both of these ladies and they had their name on my swimwear. I'd been stocked in major retailers all over the world, particularly in the US. We had US warehouses and... You know, so many amazing things. I mean, one of the highlights for me was the photo shoots. One of my favorite shows growing up was always like America's Next Top Model. And I used to love watching the photo shoots and how they did it. And so these were so fun. You know, I've mentioned I went to Melbourne. And did my first ever shoot. Then we did plenty of shoots here in WA at Rottnest Island. It gave me a good excuse to finish work early some days and go to the beach and get a ton of content. But we shot at, you know, the Sundays. We did some shoots in Bali, in Fiji. Um, One of my favorite shoots was at Bondi Beach with, again, I got Kate Myers to come into Sydney. And we shot with Dominic Alyssa. And some of those shots are still my favorite shots ever, but there were some challenges along the way. Some of those photo shoots from that Sydney shoot with Dom got ripped off globally. The photos were stolen, which is illegal because of copyright laws and Chinese websites were duplicating my designs that I hand designed from scratch. Chinese websites would duplicate them and then these Chinese websites stole the photos as well. And what it is is drop shipping. And this is why I am not a fan of drop shipping businesses because chances are you're selling something that was stolen, right? So what people do is they plug their website into these Chinese websites such as Alibaba or AliExpress. And the Chinese website say, "Hey, here's a bunch of photos that you're allowed to use on your website and sell this product." Now, Chances are the product was pretty shit, but because they were using my photos and the product looked great in the photos because it was the legit product, not the knockoff product, they were making sales. So every week I would find a new website or someone would DM me a new person selling my products that I hand designed globally. They were found in the US, Europe, Australia. So many businesses were selling my products and using my photos Which legally, I can stop them using my photos. Not much legally I can do to stop them from stealing my designs. And that is the sad part about creative and fashion is that a lot of businesses, I mean, there's not much you can do. You can't necessarily trademark a design unless it is significantly different. So this was really, really heartbreaking. I always remember the first time that I found the first copycat and I was actually on holiday in Paris and it ruined my day. I felt this extreme anxiety. There was really not much I could do because you're emailing Chinese companies that don't even really exist. But a lot of the time I would email the US website or the American, you know, wherever they were and they had no idea. I was even at a market one time in Perth in Australia and I had my market stall and there was a market stall directly across from me. Now, Perth, for anyone that doesn't know, Perth is like a small city in Australia. You know, we are a capital city, but it's so far from anywhere. We're the most remote city in the world, right? And here I was at this market and someone opposite me had a stall with bikinis and they had the exact bikini top that I had in my stall. There's looked like a a computer generated print copying my print, but this print was hand painted by my boyfriend at the time. He designed this print specifically for my bathers. He hand painted it. There is no way it could have been a mistake. So she was stocking these bathers that she had bought from China, thinking that she is selling wholesale. This is not wholesale. This is, I guess, the easy way to do business, but I wouldn't recommend it. Because legally, I mean, you might get yourself in some hot water, but I just went over and had, you know, a very democratic conversation and educated her about how that industry actually works in buying stock from China, because it's usually a knockoff. But I couldn't believe that at the very same market, this girl had the exact same bikini, which was a knockoff of my designs. And she could clearly see my entire stall was covered in this print. So there were many ups and there were many downs. I can't even tell you how many times I've had fights with my manufacturers or stock has come wrong. And from that, I'd learnt a ton. I couldn't even sit here and tell you the entire journey today because it is five years and I am someone who goes very, very fast. So there was so much along the way. But you can go and check out my post that I did the other week around the sale of the brand and it's the photo of me in a bikini and you can have a look there's some photos there some of the highlights some of the good times of running this brand and i really did love this business it was my first business it's something that i built from scratch i designed i did everything myself and some of the other highlights that i just quickly wanted to share before i move on is I was a Telstra Awards finalist twice. I was a state finalist for the Women in Business Awards and also the Business Awards. I got to travel all over the world and wear my own designs. I don't think there's anything better than that. I got to meet so many amazing people and I have friends all over the country, all over the world, who honestly are some of my best friends now. One girl that I met in Melbourne, actually, she came on a trip with me all the way to L.A. And Jen is still a really, really great friend of mine. And now she's living in L.A. So I got to meet some really cool people along the journey. I got to collaborate with other incredible brands and a good friend of mine, Emil Mendoza, who owns Boracay Skin, she lived in Melbourne and I lived in Perth and she was a flight attendant at the time and happened to be in Perth. And so it's just crazy who you might meet along your journey that become really, really close friends. I also was actually featured on the Bankwest ads all over Australia. I was on billboards in Sydney. I was on, you know, bus stops. I was on all sorts of billboards all over Australia for the Bankwest small business Campaign. And so there was my face and the brand logo of Ete Swimwear all over Australia. So that was really, really cool as well. I've been featured in Forbes three times. Uh, Like I said, I'd been on Channel 9 News. There were so many amazing moments. And the number one thing that I can take away from this is how proud I am of myself for doing what I did at such a young age and for not really taking no for an answer and going big and not having any fear get in my way. And I think we all need to be proud of ourselves more for what we are achieving. Even if you're not going to New York Fashion Week or, you know, doing certain things that you might see other people doing, be proud of the little things. And this is something that I actually teach all of my one-on-one clients is to be proud of the journey. Be proud of every moment because business is hard. So be proud of yourself because getting through every single day has challenges. So be proud of yourself on what you've achieved. And that's sort of why I wanted to share my journey with you, because some of you might be new to knowing me. So at least this gives you a bit of context of where it all started before I started four other businesses. And now I'm focusing on my coaching But that's just a very short recap of my business journey so far. Now, the number one question that I got asked was, why did you sell if it was such a big and great business and so successful? And I got the business to a point where it was almost running itself. Like I could go away for a couple of weeks and nothing would break, but it was still taking up one to two hours of my day. And, you know, I was still quite involved and overseeing everything, but I had built the business and scaled it to a point where I didn't have to post on Instagram every day. I wasn't doing all the customer service inquiries. I was not posting out the orders. There were so many things that I had built into this business and got it to an amazing point where it didn't necessarily need me anymore, but I had also lost my passion. I had lost a bit of passion for the business because over five years, it was amazing. It was such a fun ride, but Like I was doing this meditation once and I just felt that I need to be sharing my knowledge and my experience and and all of this with other females in business, because I never had anyone to help me along the way when I was beginning. And so I really have discovered that coaching and this podcast and sharing my knowledge with other female entrepreneurs is really what lights me up. And so as I began to build my coaching business and all my other businesses (laughs) that I had at the time... I had less and less time and less and less energy to put into the swimwear brand, to put into all of my businesses combined. I was spreading myself quite thin, but I was proud of where I had built it to. I just knew that I would rather sell it and have someone who has a renewed found of energy and has a new take on the business to really continue that growth and catapult the business even further. So for me, it was more about the passion was lost. And after five years, you know, I'd done a lot in five years as well. So sometimes what you're passionate about right now might not be what you're passionate about in 5 years. And that's okay. That is okay because we can change what we're passionate about. Our interests can change, our priorities can change as we go through different parts of our lives. And so if I had just continued to hold on to that business, I don't even know what might have happened. You know, probably not much, but I thought that now is the time for me to move on and really focus on sharing my knowledge with you through this podcast and through my coaching and my Dreamers and Doers membership. So for me, it was just the right time. So now I'm going to answer a few more questions from everyone that submitted them on my Instagram. So the second most common question was, did you sell it to someone you know? Now, no, I didn't. I hadn't. Firstly, I kind of have wanted to sell the business for a couple of years now. I just never did because I didn't really know how. And when you're selling a business, it is quite a process, firstly, but you know, I just didn't know how, and I didn't know where to find a buyer. So, you know, I did a lot of learning. I did a lot of reaching out to people that I knew. And so in the end, I actually sold to a guy in San Francisco. I do not know them, but they have a really advanced background in, you know, ads and scaling and things like that. So for me, him and his wife are going to take it over and they are going to do an amazing job with the business and continue to scale it. Now, For me, it was super important to find someone that not just wanted to buy the business and give me some money. That wasn't even my main reason for wanting to sell or to finding a buyer. My main thing was finding someone who really had the passion and that I thought would take good care of my business because this is my first baby you don't just hand off your first baby to anyone. I mean, hopefully you're not giving your real babies away, but <laughs> you know, this business to me was like a baby. And so for me, it would be absolutely heartbreaking to see someone take it on that their heart wasn't in it. It wasn't the right fit or they didn't understand the brand. So for me, it was quite a lengthy process in finding that right buyer. Secondly, it is a little bit harder to find a buyer who wants to buy a business whereby they have to actually design the products because a lot of businesses out there these days, people want quick and easy. They want tech businesses or they want dropshipping businesses, which like I told you, please don't go into drop shipping unless you know the products are not stolen, but they want an easy plug in some ads, make some money out the back end. But this is a business that has a brand identity that you know has soul that has products that are designed and crafted in and, and part of the brand as well So that was a huge part in finding the right buyer that I was confident that could take over the brand and really do an amazing job with it as well. So I did find a really, really great buyer who's in San Francisco. And the good news with that is most of our customers were in the USA, had a warehouse in the US already. So the business structure and the foundations really are quite solid in the US. So that was really, really awesome. Now, someone did ask me, um, when did you know you wanted to sell? So, like I said, I had thought about it for a few years, but to me, now is just the right time. And sometimes you need to go through, you know, a phase of considering it. I wouldn't really turn around tomorrow and say, Hey, I've decided to sell my business and get rid of it straight away. It's probably something I would recommend you consider. but I thought about it for a while, right? And when you are selling, you do need to get some things in order. So we made sure that all the systems and processes were really tip top shape. Everything in the whole business was documented. So that meant there was very minimal handover for me to do as well, because every single thing was documented in a really concise way that anyone could pretty much come and pick up the business. So there's a lot of work that goes into selling a business as well. Someone asked me, did I hire someone to do the designs or did I do it? So I actually did the designs all myself. I do not have a fashion background, but, you know, working with amazing manufacturers, it really is not as hard as people think. And I think for me, I designed things that I liked and that I personally would wear. And that's really what I based the brand off from the beginning. And for the first few years, my boyfriend, Chris, he hand painted all the designs. So he is actually a children's book illustrator, but an amazing artist. So Christopher Maxwell art, if you want to check him out on Instagram, but he painted All of my first designs for the first few years. And then we went into a few different fabrics and solid colors and things like that. So we didn't have as many prints, but he hand painted them all. So a lot of people were asking me, What will you do now? Are you a lady of leisure? Are you going off traveling? What are you doing now? But truth be told, I was already working more than full time in my coaching business. So I obviously do this podcast, I do my one-on-one coaching, I run a membership, I do my Instagram, I create content and I run speaking events. So it's basically five businesses in one as it is. But over the past year, I actually did have five actual businesses. So I had the swimwear brand, I had last year, I had a bricks and mortar physical business whereby people would rent it out for events and photo shoots. I was doing a bit of photography. I was also, you know, had my influencer agency where I took influencers on trips. So I went from five actual businesses just to my coaching and my personal brand, which almost is five businesses in one anyway. So it definitely keeps me busy, but what I've realized over the past year or more has been that I really wanted to prioritize my health more. So what I'm really doing is focusing on giving myself some time back because in the past, I would just burn myself out, not prioritize exercising or eating properly or anything like that. And so now I'm focusing on sharing as much content and inspiration and supporting my clients as much as I can, whilst also supporting myself in that as well. So someone has asked, I'd love to know how you built your business so fast. Do you have some tips and tricks perhaps to focus on. They say it takes five plus years to take off. Whereas at face value, it looks like yours took off a lot sooner. I would love your thoughts on this. Now, a few things with this, right? They say it takes five years to take off. Who's they? Who is they? Because this is probably coming from like a mindset point of view. And quite often we say, they say this or they say that. Who's they, firstly, because they usually don't exist. Maybe one person said it doesn't mean it's true just because it might have even come from a credible source doesn't mean it's true. Everyone is on their own journey and everyone is on their own paths. And if you haven't listened to all the rest of my podcast episodes, definitely go back and listen, especially to the one about building a holistic business that serves you in the way that you need to can you please offer some tips and tricks to focus on? So again, tips and tricks. There is no trick, I will say. Firstly, I would recommend go and listen to my episode on persistence. So the episode is one of my first episodes on here and it is titled persistence is key. Guess what? It took me about 5,000 emails individually, not just having a database of 5,000. I sent out 5,000 individual emails. So I had a thousand people on my list and I emailed them all five times plus over the period of a whole year with pretty much zero replies at all. But over the period of a year, I kept at it. I kept emailing, kept going, kept doing that. And after that, I secured my very first international major stockist who then went to order 20,000 US dollars for their trial order, for their initial trial order. So everyone's always looking for tips and tricks and hacks and what's the secret. And guess what? Sometimes you just have to persevere. Sometimes you have to do the simple things like just send an email, it's not that hard. But people want to overcomplicate things and find the secret way of doing it. There is no secret. It it just sometimes takes persistence with the simple things to get you to your goals. I've shared a lot of my um, experiences and tips and everything in my past podcast episodes. So definitely listen to those. But, you know, this is actually something that I work with my one on one clients on is firstly, we figure out what are your goals and where are you trying to go? Because there's no point just saying I'm trying to grow. That's my goal is growth. Well, how much are you wanting to grow? And are you sure that's really what you want? Or does it just sound cool to do? So I always make sure we are super clear on what your goals are first. And then I can tell you exactly what you need to spend your time on, because we do not need to do all of the things as business owners. We're told, you know, you need to be doing SEO. You need to be doing ads. You need to be doing this and that. You don't have to do all the things, but You do need to do the things that are right for your business to get you to your goals that you have set, because otherwise you'll just be spinning your wheels and doing donuts around and not really getting anywhere. But if you know exactly where you're going, you put it in the GPS and you head that direction, right? So I can't give a blanket tips and tricks, but I hope that has helped at least shift your mindset a little bit around that anyway. Someone else has asked, I'd love to ask, how did you know what to do? Like, how did you know how to get on a stage and get yourself in ads and billboards? I struggled to dream big enough, let alone implement that. So I think there is definitely a huge mindset block around this for this person that has asked this question. And so the question is not knowing what to do. The question is... How willing are you to do what it takes to do it? So for me, I looked at it and I thought, well, if I need to be global, if I need to grow this business when I have no money, and this is literally all it can take sometimes switching your mindset from, I don't know what to do, because if you've listened to any of my past podcast episodes, you'll know the power of the mind is so strong. If you say, I don't know what to do, your brain has the answer. Your brain is always going to look for the answer, but if you're telling it, I don't know what to do, you've just told the brain, it's like, cool, I know the answer, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to sit here, you know? Whereas if you change that mindset from, I don't know what to do, to, okay, I need to gain awareness about my brand and I have limited money to do so, what are all of the ways that I can gain awareness without spending money? And guess what? Even if there isn't a way, make it up. There's no rules in business. And I literally made up every single thing that I did. I went to uni and did a business degree. It did not help me one bit. I've never used one piece of information that I gained from that business degree in my actual business. Helped me get a, a job because they say you need that piece of paper to get a job. But in business, my business degree wasn't all that helpful. And so I just asked myself these questions. I said, okay, I need to gain awareness. How can I do that? Hmm, I'm petrified of public speaking, but I'm going to go and ask some local girl boss business if I can speak at their next up coming event and tell them about New York Fashion Week or tell them about my business journey. Guess what? They said, yes, I was bloody petrified. I practiced for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I did it. Right. So it's more about not knowing the answer because you'll never know the answer until you try. The thing is, change that mindset from I don't know how to how can I ask yourself those questions and then do it. Simply do it. That's where I say everything comes down to mindset because If you can't learn to think in that way, even if you have a coach or a mentor or someone, and this is what I do with my clients, I never just give them the answers. I make sure that I equip them with their skills to then be able to work these things out themselves as we go on. But even if you had someone giving you all of the answers, if they went on a holiday, you'd be screwed, right? So you don't necessarily need to, but I think it's ceasing every single opportunity And freaking getting off your butt and going out there and getting your opportunities. Truth be told, pretty much every single opportunity that I ever had throughout my business journey, I have created. No one tapped me on the back and said, hey, Jess, do you want to just be in a billboard? Or, hey, Jess, do you want to, you know, just do this or speak at our event? No, you put yourself out there. The more that you put yourself out there, network, meet the right people or even just email people and ask. Why are we so afraid to ask? I think that is crazy because so many women, especially don't even ask. If you don't ask, how will you ever know the answer? Let's stop taking a back seat. And honestly, that has basically been my motto of my entire business. If you don't ask, the answer will always be no. Go out there and get your own opportunities and give everything a go once why not? If it fails, then now, you know, for next time that it didn't work and you can move forward. Right. So those are probably my key takeaways and points that I would definitely share around growing the business. Now, there are a few more questions specifically around selling a business. So someone has asked, you know, how do you go about selling a business? How, do you value a business? How do you find someone to buy? Did you always know you're going to sell it one day? So I'm going to answer all of these kind of in one. So when I first started the business, I did not start the business to sell it. And I don't think that's necessarily a good idea to go into starting a business to sell a business. I mean, sometimes that can work, but you're always then somewhat disconnected from the business. So I think if you are going to create a business you need to be all in and therefore you'll get the success and then therefore you'll be able to sell it now as for the process of selling a business so you can go quite a few ways um you can get a broker which is a bit more old school you know there is an awesome platform that I actually used called flipper f i wait is f l i p p a flipper and it's um they've got offices in Melbourne and also San Francisco and so On this platform, definitely you can get your business valuated on there. You do have to enter a lot of info. So it's a lot of work. I wouldn't bother doing it unless you're actually wanting to sell, but they can help you with a valuation, right? So there are a few different ways to value a business and you can either value the business based on the profits. So normally it's a multiplier of the profits, but at the end of the day, people are only going to pay for it what they think it's worth or what they're interested in it for. So it's kind of like saying, how much do you sell a car for? Right. There could be something that tells you this car is worth this much, but if no one likes that car, they're not going to pay that much or vice versa. Maybe they say your car's worth two grand, but maybe someone's like, oh my gosh, I really, really need this car. And they're happy to pay 20 grand for it. Right. So at the end of the day, there is no rule. And, you know, some businesses are, are on there for like a 1.8 multiplier, some are on there for like a six times multiplier on income. So it does depend on the type of business, the demand of that kind of business. Also timing, do people want to buy this kind of business right now? You know, even just finding the right buyer to come along. And for me, it was more about the person fitting with my business and the brand values and things like that as well that I was considering. So there are many different ways. So you can either value it based on a profit multiplier. So some sort of multiple of your profit could give you um, a good start. Or If you are just selling the assets, which you can do, which is actually what I did because I sold internationally. So I just sold the assets internationally because to sell the company, it just gets very, very messy because it's an Australian company. Someone in the US can't own an Australian company. So I just sold all the bits and pieces, but I kept the container as the company, right? So you can also value it based on the assets. So maybe you've got, you know... All your assets are worth X amount and you say, right, I'm going to sell you all these assets because they're worth this much and you could value the business that way as well. So look, this was like a few years in the process for me. So that's it in a nutshell. But feel free to reach out to me if you if you are interested in learning more about that as well. That's a bit of my journey. And I thought I just would share that because for me, it's the end of an era. It kind of felt like a breakup. I kind of went through all the emotions. I was like, woohoo, I've got a buyer. And then I thought, oh, but all the good times. And then, you know, it's kind of a roller coaster, and there's a lot of like hoops to jump through and paperwork and all of this. And Even once I had the buyer, you know, it's taken about two to three months and, you know, to finalize everything and get it all sorted. So it does take some time. Some businesses, the handover period can be really, really long. So everything is negotiable, really. It is a very lengthy process, but... I just wanted to share a bit of the behind the scenes, give you guys a bit of an insight into my journey. Hopefully you've been able to take away some of the key lessons there as well, but please do send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on my Instagram at jesterwilliamson Williamson eight, and let me know what was your key takeaway from this. Or if you have any more questions, please send them over. I love to get to chat and connect with you even more. So definitely come over and say, hi, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure you do subscribe, click the subscribe button on Apple or click the follow button on Spotify, and you'll be notified about all the upcoming episodes. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I will speak to you all soon. Have an amazing week.